Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode nine of this experiment that we heretofore call the pulpit. It was his idea, so it's his fault. He's Bob Marks. I'm the guy cajoled into it. I'm Ron Sandek. The pulpit is a place where we try and peak interests. Invariably, we test tempers and we say sorry when we mean it because we often antagonize unintentionally. So, Gentle listeners, you may remember we were talking last week about some of the crazy going on in Springfield. Well, I'm here to tell you the crazy is accelerated. It's almost um, on speed. You can't take steroids to make it go faster. It makes you bigger, stronger. So it's got to be an amphetamine, something of that sort, an accelerant. It can't be natural because the crazy in Springfield truly is unprecedented or at least unprecedented in the recent decade or three. As a reminder, what was happening then was a huge tax increase, a fundamental way, a fundamental change is proposed in the way income tax would be collected at the state level. J.B. Pritzker and the Democrats firmly in control of Springfield were seeking to change our constitution from a flat tax state where everyone pays the same percentage meaning if you make more, you pay more. If you make less, you pay less, but it's the same level rate as everyone, meaning it really is difficult to raise taxes and it would be done with great circumspect because it affects everyone evenly and pro ratably. Well, Pritzker and the cash-starved Democrats don't want anything to do with that. They want a progressive income tax. And you know, the reason you sell that is because it's someone else paying for your stuff, right? So we'll get the big, mean, rich people who don't pay fair, their fair share. Remember I said, if you made more, you pay more because it's just straight math, right? Well, they're still running around screaming the rich should pay more. So let's soak the rich. Well, they got their way. Uh, the proposal to put this initiative to change our constitution will be on the ballot in November of 2020. More to that. Remember, when we get back later to this topic, it's a tax increase. Also on the agenda was a big, beautiful capital budget bill, an infrastructure plan, both horizontal and vertical. Pritzker dared to dream huge in, in announcing a $41.5 billion with a B infrastructure plan. It would basically improve every public asset plus a lot of private assets. How would we fund that? Well, a new litany, a slew of new taxes and fees, you know, a streaming tax in case you like Amazon, Hulu, or Netflix, or your kid plays, you know, video games. Another buck or two at the parking garages and decks, a dollar per ride on Uber, Lyft, or other ride share. 19 cents more on top of a gallon of gas. Remember, we already have a motor fuel tax and we sales tax on top of that for gas. So add 19 more cents. Um, there was a, a, a proposed increase in the what Bob and I call the exit tax. It's the transfer tax. We have a buddy of ours who listens and he sent us a litany of information um, and a couple of fun words to potentially drop in this podcast or future podcasts, basically reminding us that a lot of municipalities in Illinois have a transfer tax. He's quite right. He had a whole list of them. The state has one too, but
But the idea of adding another buck per $100 of consideration on every commercial transaction is no small matter. It's a big tax increase. So there's a bunch of other fees and taxes that would be lopped on to pay for this 41.5 billion pie in the sky, pie in the sky infrastructure plan. There's also marijuana, right? Let's legalize weed and we'll make all kinds of money and we'll make everything cool, right? Well, more to that in a second. And gambling. We're going to make a couple more licenses available, one for Chicago, maybe one for Rockford, maybe for a couple downstate, and we'll you know, get into the sports gambling online bonanza, and whoo, here comes the cash. And then, of course, there's just this thing called the regular budget that, you know, is kind of a big deal, given the fact that the state has $7 billion in back due sums owed to vendors, given the fact that there are structural deficits in the way Illinois pays for its bills as it goes. Oh, yeah, don't forget, we have $134 billion, give or take, in unfunded pension liabilities that seem to be coming to the fore a little more each and every day, add on another 50 to $75 billion in health care retiree monies, and you're talking big bucks. Anyway, since we last talked, that crazy progressive income tax got passed. The Dems had a party on the floor of the House thanking and high-fiving each other, hugging and having a celebration, right? We're going to get stuck with a bigger bill. Why shouldn't they party? So expect that on your ballot. And tons of noise, TV, radio, internet ads talking about how we have to soak the rich. Um, marijuana, legal weed, got out of the Senate yesterday. It's in the House today, but it's got to get done tomorrow or it's loses the window of legalization, at least in this session. So for those that think, yeah, it's no big deal. I get it. Right. I get it. Um, you know, they're doing it anyway. I get it. You know, I was reminded today by an old friend in the old West, uh, doctors used to cure all kinds of pain, uh, whether it was a colicky baby, a, uh, a difficult headache, um, chronic ailments and, you know, not then detected or just general gunshot wounds with a little combination of brandy and, uh, well, I guess I'll just say it out loud, right? Because it wasn't cocaine then, but it was uh, opium. So a little brandy and a little opium and the pain went away. Well, of course the flipping pain went away. They were drugged outside their own bodies. Well, whether you believe marijuana is a gateway drug or not, and it, it, you know, whatever, it's going to be legalized in Illinois and they're going to tax it, except in pure Illinois form, they're going to tax about, well, about 45% of the taxable sums will go to the state. The rest is to set up a different social equity board to make sure those who have been punished in the past for possession of petty marijuana crimes have a first crack at getting licensure at the new, you know, bonanza that is marijuana. So there's this whole set-aside program now to impart social equity. Remember those words, social equity. All that means is tax dollars being thrown at a segment of society that maybe had a raw deal. But now this concept of us making a lot of money on pot is, is smoke in the sky. The gambling bill, not yet done. And in fact, um, some really weird stuff happened. 
the, the, the sponsor of it had to pull off the bill because of purported claims that he may have had a conflict of interest. No. Um, there were other legislators of one of each party um, that apparently either directly or through family have connections to licensees, current or potentially down the line. So as in typical Illinois forum, a little bit of a speed bump in getting gambling expanded because of these potential conflicts and clouded judgment issues. The regular operating budget, I'm told, and I was talking to a friend of mine today, should get done and it should be balanced. We'll see if it's really balanced. But I, I'm told they're going to make the full pension payment for the fiscal year, which is great because they have to. They should. It doesn't change the fact that we're upside down, you know, in perpetuity on pensions and that there will be a day when it all comes undone. But I guess for this fiscal year, you know, better balanced than not. Right. So in the next roughly 24 hours, by midnight and one second, on June 1st, when it becomes June 1st, the state of Illinois' General Assembly session is concluded and they have to have a budget done. They will or will not have a capital bill done. They will conclude you know, legalizing marijuana or they won't. They'll conclude the expansion of gaming or they won't. And we'll see how it all ends. So far, it's been a plethora of crazy with the expansion of Minimum wage to $15 an hour. Again, tax and fee increases out the wazoo, including a McPeer increased tax to fund additional things going on at McPeer, but now um, going to different loop and neighborhood restaurants and bars. So it doesn't matter that the event isn't happening at McPeer. Your, your beer or your hamburger in Wrigleyville will likely increase, be increased because they got to fund more bond issuances and more capital projects at McPeer. I guess what I'm saying in some and substance is we're going to get nickeled and dimed to death, not just this session, but in perpetuity, at least in short-term perpetuity. And that kind of segues into two things I wanted to bring to people's attention. Um, one was a really succinct and to the point op-ed in the Washington Examiner, and it's yesterday, the 29th, and it was really a simple premise. And the, the title was just, it kind of floored me. The title of this op-ed is verbatim. Here's what it is. Illinois plans to self-destruct. I'm going to read that again, Bob. Illinois plans to self-destruct. The whole essence of this op-ed is, hey, if you want to attract investment, if you want to keep and or bring in high-skilled workers, a government has to be attractive to business and to smart people looking to work. How do you make yourself attractive? Well, here's what you don't do. You don't continually increase taxes and take more from investors, entrepreneurs, risk takers, job creators, and people attracted to that environment with, you know, high income potential because the message you that's received and the message already is in Illinois is that we've got a structurally, you know, we have a structural deficit year to year in our, our, our budgets. We have a bankrupt pension system and a bankrupt retiree health plan. Oh yeah. And we have some of the highest property taxes in the entire country. So now let's raise taxes on income even more. What message is that sending 
to job creators, to entrepreneurs, to risk takers, to people that want to build a business. Well, it's a, it's a, you know, and to bring people in with high, you know, talents and educational components that would fit the business's needs. Basically, they're saying, we're going to soak you. And I want to read the last paragraph of this op-ed because it's just right to the point. Pritzker has shown no serious interest in doing what would be necessary to rebuild confidence that a state is in a good place. Illinois continues to run a massive structural deficit accompanied by an utterly bankrupt pension system. How will these challenges be addressed? There's no plan. The current governing approach of soaking more blood from the stone only adds more weight to the understanding that Illinois is a place of perpetually increasing taxes. Or put another way, it's a place where the favored word of successful people should be goodbye. Wow, that is the message. This is, you know, being said by a paper in D.C. So I read that and I was floored at what's being said about Illinois from outside the confines of our state. And then I run into a Bloomberg article of a week before, which just says Florida is the big winner as the wealthy move out of Northern states. So the entire article, and I commend this for your reading education and pleasure should you want. It's in Bloomberg written by Lee Miller and Wee Lu on May 24 in Bloomberg under the economics section of their uh, postings and paper, basically a map of the United States and it shows which, uh, basically the price of interstate migration. And it shows in black, the states that are winners. It shows in red, the states that are losers and in gray are no, no net difference in winner in, in out or in migration. So the, the, the in states, right? Um, Texas, Tennessee, South Carolina, big. North Carolina, Florida, the biggest, um, Nevada, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Montana, Idaho, and Maine, okay? Now, the losers, <laughs> Connecticut, uh, pro rata, the biggest, New York, a big loser, Illinois, a big loser. And this article goes on to say what it really costs when you know high net worth people in particular just population loss in general, what the net loss is. And it, it's it's stunning. In Connecticut, they basically said it's an average income of 122000 which was lost. So it's not just the property taxes. It's, it's not just the income tax or sales tax. It's everything in the aggregate. And it's, it's just daunting. And so when you see states that are growing, you, you know why. People with means and attitude and you know, interest in growing or being part of something that's positive are going to places that are welcoming, footing back to the previous Washington Examiner piece, and they're leaving from those states that are unwelcoming or soaking people. So uh, offline, Bob and I were talking, because we always talk real estate, because I, I have no basis for this statement, but it seems like that's always a good bellwether item, right? Um, not everyone has stocks and bonds, even though they may have 401ks. Not everyone is looking at, you know, the financials or the macroeconomic indicators, but a micro indicator 
that we all, most of us have is, you know, our homes and what's going on there. And so what's interesting to me in a micro, micro sense, the Western suburbs of Illinois is, you know, and I, I follow Crane Chicago. I look at a couple of other real estate um, periodicals and follow some, some knowledgeable real estate investors on Twitter. Chicagoland is, is in a funk. And the question is, is that funk just, you know, an anomaly or is it tied to the greater kind of morass and difficulties that's happening with confidence in the state of Illinois? I would be remiss if I didn't at least say, I think they're tied. I have no knowledge of that. Um, but to me, when you when you go to the pet store to, to go buy dog food and you get into a conversation with the clerk and she tells you, you know, she gets, you know, the dog food from Wisconsin and they have a plate and she and her husband have a place in Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, two, three, four people jump in the conversation. And the conversation is all about getting out of Illinois. That's flipping frightening. It's real stuff. It is real stuff. The question is, are our leaders in Springfield paying attention to that sentiment? I would say the answer is no, or they are dismissing that sentiment because the actions going on in Springfield are completely contradictory to trying to keep people here. They are completely consistent with that Washington Examiner piece that says the state's unwelcoming and that smart, talented, thoughtful, hardworking people will be saying goodbye. That is frightening. What will it take, Roberto, to change that at least perceived perception? Perceived perception. Perceived like perception. I do like that, yeah. I, I don't have the answer to that, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't. We are, as we were talking offline, um, I think there's some kind of a diametric shift um, taking place. It's almost like wind shear um, that we're going to see some some drastic change. It's been a slow bleed, but I think we've got something coming here that's going to be a it's going to be an earth shattering moment. I, I, I can't answer your question. So you know what I think we're going to do? Um, we're going to have one more wrap up because the, the end of the session in Springfield concludes literally just in a little more than 24 hours. There will be crazy happening tonight and tomorrow all the way up to midnight, most assuredly. Um, my gut tells me a lot of bad is still yet to come. It'll be packaged as a celebration that the Democrats that are singularly in control of Springfield are trying to lift up the middle class. Um, I think they're lifting them up with their middle finger, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a, a last kind of re recap of that. But I think we ought to call our, on our buddy um, who will re remain anonymous, who sends us a couple of emails with some real estate stuff and maybe try and get some insight from him on what he has seen, uh, whether he wants to disclose his employment or not, it's up to him. We can keep him anonymous as just a real estate insider. Uh, I think his insight is more likely to be valuable from a commercial basis. But if he's willing to chat with us a little bit, I think that'd be a great additive kind of in the, uh, the, the, our, our Henry uh, experiment, which was great. You know, we got to talk to uh, a, a, a smart, thoughtful investor or a guy who helped people with their personal investments and see some of the stuff from the municipal bond perspective. Um, Mr. Jacobsy was uh, invaluable in two 
episodes talking about kind of the municipal bond world and how it relates to Illinois fiscal difficulties. Maybe our friend on the commercial real estate side could help us out kind of spitballing or better on what he sees in that realm. And we could tie it to our residential stuff and see if we're seeing a pattern and how to get out from underneath these challenges and difficulties. All right. So we're a little bit over 20 minutes. I wanted to be under it. That's why Bob's giving me the cut sign from behind the glass. And, you know, we should have said this. Uh, as we do, we find we borrow good spaces uh, amongst other places. We're at Jig and Reel in downtown Knoxville, a really beautiful little downtown. The weather's a scorcher, by the way, uh, in 90 degrees um, in May, coming out of Illinois' rain and weird, seemingly non nonstop winter. It, it, it hurt my pink and white skin. So I'm going to make sure I continue to, to apply liberal amounts of sunscreen so that I can not burn anything else. But from Knoxville, Tennessee, he's Bob Marks. I'm Ron Sandek. We're the pulpit. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Godspeed. Rock and roll. See you next time.